Hey, Orioles fans, welcome to another edition of Yard Work on MassInSports.com. Along with Orioles beat writer Steve Molesky, I am Brian Eller. Steve, how are you today, man? Hey, Brian. Doing good. Good, and I know as we record on Sunday, we want to take a minute to just wish a happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hopefully you guys uh, were able to enjoy it, um, and especially today, Orioles get, getting a win, which is nice to see. It hasn't been uh, the most common occurrence over, over the last few weeks, so um, I, I guess, Steve, you know, as we record this on Sunday, obviously it won't be uh, released for a few days, so some things we'll know a lot more at this time, um, and we'll kind of get into the recap there. But I think the uh, the news, the kind of news of the week, um, is, is not so great, and it, it happened in, in Sunday's uh, finale against the Cardinals. JJ Hardy kind of going down uh, with the wrist injury there. Um, I think initially it didn't look like it was too bad taking the pitch off. I think it was the side of the hand or wrist there, um, but in post game. Uh, Buckshaw Walters said that uh, the injury looks, uh, quote, not good. So that's a little disappointing to see. Hardy, you know, is not the most powerful bat in the lineup, but he's definitely a good leadership presence and, and still a great shortstop. So that that puts a damper on a, on a nice series win uh, for the Orioles this weekend, I think. I mean, it's just been a tough run of injuries. I mean, Chris Davis uh, is gone for a while. Hardy could be gone for a while, pending what they find uh, Monday. And, you know, I thought Mike Wright was showing some strides in the bullpen, and then he has shoulder issues. And Zach Britton and Darren O'Day, let's not forget them. I mean, uh, I think just the bullpen had such a tough weekend that they really, 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 that's three reallys, need those guys back to displace others back into earlier in the game so they can get this bullpen in order and the pitching staff in order because it's uh, while they won the series, I mean, they – you know, they had a nine-run lead uh, Saturday, and they had a six-run lead Sunday, and uh, those leads got shaky. Uh, you should, you, you know, really, when you have a lead that big, boy, you shouldn't be sweating out outs later in the game. But So they got some issues with pitching still, obviously, uh, despite the series victory. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly pitching, and, and you could talk about the offense, too, that's been a little stagnant. They, they seem to have broken out. Uh, this weekend over St. Louis, we'll see if that translate again. As we talk about all the time on here, I mean, one series can be completely different than the next. So there's you really can't too put put too much stock into, especially something that just happens over a couple games. But it was nice to see the offense there. But you're right, the pitching, even in those those blowout wins, they didn't end up being blowout wins. You know, the Orioles put up a lot of offense, but as you said, they kind of you had to sweat it out a little bit, which is which is concerning there. Um, I, I guess you know at least a shortstop. Um, I would say in most cases you would just say, okay, well, and that's why you have a guy like Ryan Flaherty on the team because he's he's your ultimate utility guy. He can play really any position around the infield, just slot him into shortstop. But as we're listing the injuries there, hey, he's on the list too, still battling uh, the shoulder injury on the disabled list. So I think we'll – I think I guess most likely Steve will just see kind of a heavy dose of uh, Ruben Tejada, uh, one of the newer Orioles this year, and I know they also have they can bring up Paul Yanish, uh, who's in Norfolk, um, so they've got some options there. Uh, but I guess we probably just see a little more of uh, Ruben Tejada for the time being. I, I guess so. Um, uh, you know, one one question that to be answered is if Hardy is out for an extended period. Would Showalter consider moving Machado over there? I mean, he's the best defensive shortstop on the team, but then he's not playing third base where he's so great. So the the answer may be he's not going over there, uh, but you but shortstop will be involved more in the def- defense, and his arm will play even more over there, and so it wouldn't be a terrible move. Uh, but I think I'm just going to guess here that Buck is going to keep Machado at third, and Tejada will play some short, and when Flaherty gets back, he'll be in there too if, if uh, 
Hardy's down for an extended time. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that again by, by Wednesday. Uh, we, we should hopefully have some answers on that. Um, just kind of continuing the injury update train, um, I, I, you mentioned the, the big name really, Zach Britton. Uh, I know especially with the, the starters st- still really struggling, especially with you know longevity. That's obviously going to mean a more taxed bullpen uh, so that they really kind of need them to be at, at closer to full strength as, as soon as they can. So um, as we record this on Sunday, again, Britton, he threw 22 pitches, um, and didn't experience any stiffness or discomfort. Everything went well, so he's supposed to um, start for Aberdeen on Monday uh, for just sort of mark an official injury rehab assignment. I know there's some possible weather in the area, and again, this is this will be over by the time we record that, but at least hopefully he's on progression, and we should be seeing him uh, soon, which the Orioles bullpen will, uh, will desperately need. And welcome back. Well, I mean, um, you know, I think it uh, looks to me uh, just guessing that that week before the All-Star break when the Orioles are on the road, I believe in Milwaukee, Minnesota, it's probably around the time he can come back. And so you hope everything keeps progressing good. I mean, Zach Britton has made it sound like he thinks that as this issue is going behind him, it's, it'll be behind him for good. And let's hope that that holds true. Um, they need him bad. And, you know, uh, it looks like about five rehabs. They're talking about two in Delmarva, back-to-back in Bowie, and then maybe he will have passed all the tests to get back to Baltimore in, in early July. Right, and, and Darren O'Day, he's uh, th- still throw, starting to throw his bullpen sessions um, through one. He'll throw one on Monday. Uh, he's been on the disabled list since June 7th with that right shoulder strain. So, um, again, it would it'd be huge to get both these guys back. Um, at the same time, Brad Brock, I, I know one, in addition to the starters kind of struggling, it, it feels like when they go to the, the relievers, on the bullpen, it's kind of been this this cycle of guys that really aren't aren't stepping up, you know, to, to kind of seize the seize their opportunity there. I mean, and they're certainly trying, um, but I, I feel like it, you know when they when a, if a starter exits with a you know a three or four run deficit, all of a quick all of a sudden it seems like a lot of those games kind of turn into to blowouts because uh, those middle relievers kind of um, struggle to to give up. There's really no consistency there, so I'm hoping the bullpen uh, can kind of right the ship there with at least Britton and O'Day coming back and and Brad Brock who who um, Earned a couple saves uh, over to close out the series versus St. Louis, so that, that let's let's hope that that happens. You know, yeah, I mean it's just big. I mean we we forget how so many games, uh, you know, Brock O'Day and Britain, or or O'Day Britain and Brock O'Day Brock and Britain. You know, three innings covered at the end of the game, which left Michael Givens to pitch below before the seventh, and he can go multiple innings. So I mean, you have some of these games where the middle of the game is really getting away from them. Uh, that others could pitch, so it's just big. Just going on the rotation, you know, we talked last week about how the complete game is just a relic of you know the past and how it's it's, it's such a rarity these days. But um, as you saw when you were out in Chicago, Steve, and even continuing in the St. Louis series this weekend, uh, the quality start term for the Orioles is is a thing that's becoming so increasingly difficult for them to get and. You know, it's not exactly like these guys are giving up all the runs in the world, but they just have these innings where it's it's just 25 and 30 pitches, and they just it may sometimes it's they're at 
you know, 10 or 12 pitches with, you know, for two outs, and then it takes them an additional 12 to 15 pitches to get that final out. And, you know, on a final box score, that's not going to be the end of the world, but it just means another night where hey, your bullpen's getting taxed. And especially with all these injuries that are building up, it's just, uh, you know, the quality start is something that you kind of sit there and go, you know what, man, what, what, what seems to be the trouble with these guys, you know, their inability to kind of go those, those six innings without, without giving up, you know, too many runs, you know? It's it's been um, you know two quality starts in 13 games. That's as of the end of the the series uh, on Sunday, and so uh, since they started losing, it's been 36 games now, 12 and 24, and that's with them winning you know the series uh, against the Cardinals. And in those 36 games, the rotation ERA is 6.80. I mean 6.80. <laughs> that's that's a that's okay for a area code, but for a rotation ERA, you know, in their last in baseball, or last in the American League, I know, I don't look at the National League because I don't, you know, I, I compare them against the league they're playing with usually. So they're last, and they're last by a good margin, and they were tied for last in overall pitching ERA, and that's uh, that's not going to be good enough. Uh, they made the playoffs last year, and I think the rotation ERA was 4-7, and that's not great. But 5-5, five, five, holy cow, that's where their rotation ERA is. And 680 for over a month. That's you just no wonder they went, lost 24-36. So a lot of it's Tillman and Gosman. I mean, that's a big 40% that is pitching so poorly right now for the Orioles. And I mean, a lot of fans, as you know, on the blog and on Twitter, are, are telling you to you know option this guy and DFA this guy and sell this you know tri- all these things. You know, everyone, everyone's the uh, the Monday morning GM there, but. At the same time, I'm a big believer in don't don't bring a problem up unless you have a bona fide solution. And I think a lot of guys are saying, "I'll just bring the guy starters up from AAA." Well, they have in the you know the the Tyler Wilsons and the, as you said, the Mike Wrights, and I mean they, these guys come up and they they still have the same results. So I mean it's not there's not it's not like the Orioles have these you know really great secret weapons that are sitting in Norfolk and they're just saying you know what we're gonna ride with these guys because that's who we like. But we've got don't worry in case it gets really bad we've got the answer in Norfolk. I mean there it's really not a, a, an easy fix. And I think I think sometimes fans really really forget that or just don't think. About about that, you know. Well, um, you know they've had some starters recently make some good starts, but their overall numbers aren't good. For instance, Jason Aquino the other night had eight innings, really good, but overall he hasn't been. Chris Lee had a couple good back to back, but overall he hasn't been. So uh, there's flashes coming from the Norfolk rotation, but not nearly enough. And you know, um, so. Uh, you know, Gosman could be optioned, is my understanding, is he has an option. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think they uh, need him to pitch better. And he told me in Chicago he is just going to adjust where he pitched on the rubber. He did. And I thought it did help him get down in the way to right-handed batters better. I thought he got squeezed in his last start. And I, I thought, not many did, but I, I thought his start was a mini step forward, the last one. So we'll see if he can... Get going better because if he can't, I mean it's 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 gonna they're, they're just not gonna be able to come it. And you mentioned, I mean, 
without calling out too many guys individually, you know, at least in the starting rotation, Chris Tillman and Kevin Gosman certainly are. Have, then they would be the first ones to tell you they haven't performed with the expectations. And I, I, I thought it was interesting uh, conversation with Dan Duquette um, earlier this week. Uh, he, he, he didn't really shy away from it. You know, it was kind of nice to see some transparency. He said, look, the, these two guys, you know, Tillman and Gosman, last season they, they, they put up, uh, you know, some good stats. And, and I think I think Duquette got into the war, the war stat. Um, and and he kind of said, look, the, this club, they, they designed it to be based around these guys taking those steps forward and, and, and being the top of the rotation guys. And to date they – and this is a direct quote from Duquette. It says, to date they certainly haven't pitched that well. And I, I don't know about you, Steve, but I, I, I kind of liked that transparency from – you know, I, I wouldn't say he threw them under the bus. I wouldn't say he said anything too nasty or unfair. I think he said what, what you know, a lot of people were thinking, including the, the Tillman and Gosman themselves. And, and I think that's good to have that transparency, you know. I mean, it's hard not to say that because that's, I mean, it's really obvious how badly they pitched. And, you know, uh, Tillman gets a small pass because he's been hurt. Um, and so um, people, some people think he's still hurt. He says no. And so uh, those, these two really, really have to do better because having those two pitch the ERAs of seven and eight is not going to cut it. Um, they just, they just got to overcome it and, Tillman, they both they both felt they made strides in their last starts. Now their bottom line results were not great, so it would be nice to hear them say I made strides when they gave up one run in seven and two thirds. But I think both the final line gave up five runs, I believe, in their last starts, uh, and some were inherited runs in Tillman's case. I think Gosman too, maybe. So the bar is not being set high for this Oriole rotation, and it's going to need to be raised. And I think it is curious. I mean, I certainly don't use this as an excuse or a safety net, but um, as we record this, they're right at 500 there, 34-34. But they're still, I think, only about one, maybe one game out of the wild card. I mean, it's still we're still very early. It's only midway through June. But, I mean, I, I don't think it's quite to the level where you got to say, you know what, it's over, let's in, let's implode everything. Um, certainly the pitching has to be better, but um, but I, it's it's kind of amazing, and maybe that just speaks to teams really kind of struggling and battling through injuries just like the Orioles are, but that they're they're still they're still technically in it, you know, and, and I think they will be the, the entire way, even if they don't end up making the playoffs, you know. Well, they have three weeks to the All-Star break, and I think uh, we all, fans, media, and probably the Oriole front office should, is included in this, is my guess, give it those three weeks and let's see if they can get this stabilized a little bit and start to get a few games over. And if they can't, and we're gonna, at some point the writing will be on the wall, but then comes the issue, and I talked about this on the radio Sunday afternoon when I was on the fan, is that if they pull the plug on this season and want to start trading big names, they're pulling the plug then on 2018 too, most likely, because some of these players, like for instance, for instance, Britton and Machado, one hurt and one not performing to the previous level, are signed through 2018. Their 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 contracts, they're, they're they're under team control. So you would have them for next year too, when maybe you get a better rotation, maybe Tillman's healthy, maybe Britton's healthy, maybe Manny's not hitting 210. And maybe they're winning the East, but I mean, so you really have to think about all that. Uh, do they want to? Do they want to do a, a, a partial sell-off? Ryan is is almost why just if you're going to do it, do it. You know, all go all you know all all sales final. You know, all must go. And so, uh, but I don't see the Orioles getting that. But I think before that decision is 
pondered if it ever will be. We need to see another 20, 25 games get into mid-July. Where does it look then? So the clock is ticking on that decision, in my opinion. Do you think a 500 record or any you know margin of error of a couple games there, a 500 record these next three weeks, and, and what do you think it will take for them to get to the All-Star break and kind of say it's time to, to kind of really shuffle things around and, and trade these big pieces? Uh, some of it will take for, for performances by players who are already there and healthy. Machado, Trumbo, uh, the middle of the order has to start hitting like the middle of the order. And Manny needs to keep that right field approach, which he's shown more of, and start driving the ball again. Trumbo, I thought, encouraged by the weekend. Um, Scope, Mancini, this is great to see what these young kids are doing. So the offense needs to perform more consistently. And then let's see if Zach Britton returns, and is he himself? Um, Are we going to go, wow, Zach's back. That's Britton of 2016. And then they know they'll have a good closer for the second half. They'll win close games. And so, you know, O'Day, I mean, some of these injured get back. And so a lot of these are, are ifs, Brian. We don't have the answer today. But in three weeks, we might have a more clear picture on all of it. Yeah, and at least you, you can take some solace in the fact that, hey, that you know the team's not playing at full strength. I don't know that they ever will. I think injuries are just going to be all season long. I wouldn't – I wouldn't. There's, there's that phrase that I know a lot of fans talk about when they're in – debating in a bar or a restaurant oh man if this guy's healthy and this guy's healthy and this guy can well not they throw all these ifs as we're as we like to talk about and the odds of all those happening are very slim but yeah if every team played to its full potential gosh every they'd be everybody everyone would be a world series contender you know but um as you mentioned i think it was nice to see at least against st louis the offense kind of breaking out there again we'll see if it translates they've got a tough series in Cle- you know against cleveland um, who's now kind of getting really hot, and they're atop the AL Central there. So, uh, but Mark Trumbo uh, had a nice, nice weekend. He's got a mild hitting streak, and Trey Mancini, uh, at least as of Sunday, is in the midst of that nine-game hitting streak. And he just, he just continues to 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 show all sorts of power. And I, I think he's something special. We've talked about him a few times, Steve, but I. He's a treat to watch. I really get excited, um, you know, seeing him come to the plate and just kind of take it all in. And I think he hit his, I think he hit a triple today on Sunday, um, which is his first career triple. And that is, so that's, uh, I think this guy is really going to be something special, Steve. Well, when I interviewed Mark Trumbo for the Mass and Post game, he gave me the money quote, and I mean, this is, this is really a, quite a quote. And I, Trumbo is not prone to hyperbole, but his t- quote about Mancini was. He's one of those rare talents that is just born to barrel a baseball. And that's a pretty good strong line right there. And he went on to say he's line to line, meaning he hits the left field, the right field. Great two-strike hitter. He's going to have a big season and a nice career because he has this innate ability to make hard contact and spray the ball around. Makes for a tough challenge for the pitchers. And Trumbo's been a mentor to Trey. I know he's someone he leans on a lot, and he's been a great help to him. Uh, as Trumbo said, it's our responsibility as older guys to pass on the knowledge to the youth, and he's doing that with this kid, and he couldn't have a better role model. He may not be having the season he wants, but I'm telling you, he's a leader in there, and, and he's a guy that is nothing but good for Mancini. So Mancini's a sharp kid, man. This is the approach he's got. He's, Brian, he's just, he's just proving to be better than everybody thought. And, I mean, the analysts who rated prospects, I mean, me, I think Buck would probably say that. Um, he's just proven to be better. 
you know, his his the major league numbers are better than what we saw in Norfolk. Uh, he didn't hit this well in Norfolk. It's a tough park to hit in. And so is it fool's gold? I don't think so. I mean, I think 60 games, you know, this isn't a hot week or two. Uh, this kid's already, they, adjust, they threw the kitchen sink at him early when he had all those home runs, and he kept hitting for high average, and now the home, power's returning. So it's been special to watch. So, Steve, do you kind of do you get do you get the impression that means which which ceiling? I guess at this point, uh, you know, it's still very early, but whose ceiling might be a little bit higher? Would you take Dylan Bundy's potential or Trey Mancini's? Obviously, two two very different positions, but just both very talented. Ooh, both man. very talented. <laughs> I still would take Bundy out of those two because I think uh, he can be an ace pitcher. He just can. I don't know if Trey can be a all star player. Maybe he can, but Dylan Bundy, man. When he Brian, when he builds up to where he he can go 200 innings, which he's getting there, and he, I think he really can be something special. But this is good to see. These are young kids. Look at what Scope is doing. Um, I mean, again, I'm not a homer for the farm system, but I'm just saying that some of these kids came from the farm and they're doing okay. So we they have they produced as many as Boston or New York, probably not. But you know, Trey Mancini, he's not Aaron Judge. He's not, but he's damn good. And that's the Orioles' eighth-round draft pick from a couple of years ago. Always nice to see some homegrown, and we'll we'll talk about the Orioles' uh, draft roundup uh, in, in a little bit here. But um, you mentioned Bundy with the the sort of the innings pitched. Um, he's currently eighty-seven and two-thirds now. He only pitched one hundred nine innings last year, so he I think it's pretty safe bet he's going to surpass that by and large. Um, what's do you know any insight on what the plan is for Bundy in terms of an innings limit? Are they going to stretch him as much as they need him, or is it really kind of just kind of see how he he responds to it? Nope, they won't they won't pass along a, a plan or a number if there is one. Uh, Buck, whenever he's been asked, it just says there's no science that tells you you can't uh, you can't go this many more innings or you have to put this kind of limits and so. He's talking as if there are no limits on Bundy, but you and I know you can't go from 109 innings to 230. I mean, that would seem crazy, but I don't know. Maybe he will. But, you know, the, the, the good news is, I guess, is he went all those years without many innings, so this is still a fresh arm uh, because he, isn't, he hasn't been a 200-inning guy the last four or five years. So, But it worries me, too, um, because I want to see him around five years from now, and he seems strong and healthy. His velocity keeps going up, and he's just a smart kid who's doing a lot right, but there may come a time in the second half when we see him tiring a little bit. We did last year, and you know, but last year he, he didn't have 109 innings to fall back on as he does this year. Yeah, so we'll see him. His next start is, is Monday, a series opener against Cleveland, so that will obviously be passed by the time – uh, fans get to listen to this so let's um you'd mentioned some some homegrown talent there that's really kind of to blossom and um last week the Orioles uh got to to take their pick and add some more homegrown talent to the collection there uh with the first year player draft so um Steve I guess overall just uh, I, I felt like the Orioles did well just kind of reading some of the national experts on, on especially on their their higher picks their first round pick 21st overall uh D.L. Hall left-handed pitcher um at a Valdosta in Georgia high school pitcher um again we talked talked about how they kind of lean towards college a little bit more pro ready and, and have a little bit more experience but uh so maybe a little bit of a surprise to take high school pitchers but i the consensus i 
read from that was he this guy was not supposed to drop that far and he was you know a steal of a pick um, always good to get pitching especially in a pitching riching draft um, but overall Steve I don't know what what you kind of read and who you talked to but I, I felt like the Orioles um, they did well for this draft and we'll see if it pans out well I mean you just don't know for years but I mean um the surprise to me, and they don't volunteer this before the draft, Brian, because they just don't tell any reporter their specific strategy, but they took four of the first six were high school kids. That was a surprise to me, and that was a surprise to the analysts. Um, and they took nine of the first 21 were high school draft picks, and they wanted to pump some uh, a little, maybe a little riskier but higher-ceiling young talent into the system after going heavy early college last year, and they did that this year. And so uh, they like the shortstop from Canada they got in the second round. I think they got a high school center fielder, a couple picks in. And so D.L. Hall, he was uh, projected to go higher than 21, and they did not expect the first round to end with him being an option for them. And so that was a surprise to the Orioles. They were happy it it fell that way. And they pounced on him, and so, you know, some rumors that circulated was he fell because of uh, potentially an attitude or character, but uh, as I found out when I interviewed Gary Rasich a couple of days ago, the area scout, Arthur McConaughey, who scouted D.L. Hall, uh, has real close ties to Hall's family. They're both from the Valdosta. And his family knows theirs, and they and they just feel like they have great background on the kid. And Gary told me, assured me, we are not concerned about attitude or makeup with this kid. We are we are, we know his background better than most, and he's gonna be, he's fine. Trust me. So I'll, I buy that, and they're excited to get him. You know, big upside. Touching 96 already at as an 18 year old, and he's a you know he's Scott Boris client. And it appears to me he'll get over slot, which means a slot is 2.8, 2.9 million. He may it may take more than that to get him. Yeah, and I think another thing I, I was reading about him is, um, of course, he's not you know going to pitch for the Orioles this season. But he, he, despite being a high schooler, he was a bit more uh, you know at least the potential to kind of climb through the minor league system a little bit quicker than maybe some other guys. And and who knows? I mean, if that if that. If that, if you know, as you said, a lot of things have to go right. You know, you have to get the contract signed and and you have to see the progression there. But uh, this this guy might be a little bit more major league ready sooner than a lot of people would think, or at least uh, from a high school pe- pitcher. He he might, but uh, and, and this happens on my blog daily. Uh, it's like Cedric Mullins. People are calling for him to go up to the majors. I mean, the guys played a month at Bowie. We we just uh, I just I just think fans they're so in such a rush. You know, get him to the next level. Get Mountcastle up there. I mean, you know, you got to, you know, we're finding out with Mancini, who played at every minor league level, and he played many games at Bowie and many games at Norfolk. We're finding out what a finished product can look like if he has talent. And so rushing these guys is not the good idea. And when a high school kid, you just let him go for a couple years and let's see where he is. So if Oriole fans are thinking, well, in 2018, we'll see this DL Hall. You very likely won't. You just got to give him some time, man. And um, he's got to go through. There's a pro- there's a process, and you can't skip steps. I don't think with a high school kid. So my 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 opinion with a high school kid is you take it slow early, and you start to move him faster later. And you know, 
like uh, Brian Gonzalez pitched a full year at Delmarva and has taken some lumps now at Frederick. But sometimes you, you let these kids go a full year at the lower levels and then maybe a half season at Frederick, half season at Bowie. Then are they starting to knock on the door? You just can't rush it. And so that's why fans don't like them to take high school kids because we're not going to see D.L. Hall in the majors for a while. Practice that patience there, Oriole fans. But, yeah, you're right. I think I think he's. it's better to take time with him. And as you said, Trey Mantini is a good example of just you, you learn a lot at each level. I think that I think people just kind of dismissed the minor league in ball is just is just not as good of baseball as the major leagues which of course but you're for a guy who's entering a a major league system uh, there's plenty to learn at each level and and you're not gonna not gonna get worse by you know taking some time at each level and and gaining some experience there now the difference here is even if the hall takes a couple years to get there he could get there at age 21 or 22 where trey mancini is making big impact at 25 because he was a college draft pick and Manny Machado was making a big impact at 19 or 21 because he's an elite talent, taking third in the draft. And so you can't ask many high school kids to produce at 19 or 20 like Machado and Correa and some of these other kids. But some are special talents that they can. And so when you take the 21st pick in the draft, that's not elite. 20 players were taken ahead of him. You're thrilled to get him because you didn't have a pick higher than that. So you didn't get one of the top four or five guys like they used to every year. And so um, you just got to let it play out. But, but if he gets there at 22, man, that's better than 26 or 7, right? So that's the, that's the other end of drafting high school kids. That's, uh, okay, they take longer than a college arm, but they might get there and be younger than the college arm. Uh, you know, in other words, in their, in their rookie season, uh, if Cody Sedlock progresses, and D.L. Hall progresses, Hall will probably be younger in his rookie season than, say, Sedlock would in his rookie. Right. And that's, as you said, that's one of the advantages of high schoolers. And hey, the Orioles going a little bit heavy, at least early on with high schoolers. Maybe that uh, maybe it all pans out. So we'll see. But as, as we've talked about, I mean, to get multiple major leaguers, uh, you know, from one draft is, is certainly considered a, an above average draft. So way, uh, we won't put the, the cart before the horses. Um, but it's, it's always exciting to at least kind of get get excited about some, uh, you know, some prospects and some new guys into fresh blood into the system there. And hopefully, uh hopefully help build the farm system, you know. So. And I do like the signing uh, date of July 15th. Uh, it used to be later than this, but now by the middle of July, you got you got to wrap it up. And so uh, that will give D.L. Hall six weeks to pitch on the farm. He won't pitch right away, depending on how much he's thrown or hasn't. He's going to have to build up, but it might mean two weeks of build up, and then we might get to see him for a month in the Gulf Coast League or maybe Aberdeen. Uh, something like that, and then and then you start him out full full year next year, uh, and you know you hope he's ready to rock and roll and have a have a full season on the, on the pros. Let's hope so. So we'll we'll keep an eye on 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 everything. I mean, Steve, you're the you're the, you're the go to man in terms of of everything happening in the minor leagues. I know real fans are always always interested in that and seeing how everything's going. So for the guys up at the uh, the top, they're um, getting ready to host Cleveland for four game series. I just talked about Cleveland's at the top of the AL Central now, so they're they're playing well and. Um, I think the Orioles will face four right-handed starters in that series. So I know they've been facing lefties, it seems like, almost every other day. So uh, they'll get a heavy dose of right-handers before making a, a road trip to uh, more AL East action down to Tampa for a three-game series and then up uh, north of the border to Toronto for three games. So um, it's, it's as we say every week, Steve, it, it never ends, you know. But um, 
So we'll see how the Orioles can do. Steve, you have anything else on the radar? Nope. Going to watch uh, Zach Britton pitch. This will he'll be done pitching by the time people hear this. But um, looking forward to the startup of Aberdeen. Their roster is going to look very different at the beginning. Will be mostly players who were in extended spring who have already been in the organization and over the course of the season. As they sign draft picks, they'll send some of them to Aberdeen, especially the college-drafted players, and their roster will transform. And then we'll see, Brian, if the Orioles can finish strong. Uh, the road woes, they've got, that's got to stop. I mean, two things, Brian, in the next 100 games, if they don't get better in the rotation and they don't get better on the road, it's not going to be a fun 100 games. They've got to go two for two, uh, rotation, and road. R&R, Brian. Be thinking that down for the next uh, three months. A little R&R. I love it. Not the R&R I like, but uh, absolutely. And, and as the first half of the season, uh, other than after this four-game set with Cleveland, um, other than a three-game weekend series where they host the Rays, the Orioles are on the road the, the, up until the All-Star break. Trenham Bay, Toronto, at Milwaukee, and at Minnesota. So it, it's it's put up or shut up time, you know. And as we said, there's a lot of baseball till the All-Star break, but I think that'll be a really good time to kind of see, okay, moving forward, where exactly do they stand? Do they stand pat? Um, but we'll uh, a lot of things will happen on that. Hopefully this team is a little bit healthier by then too, so we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. So... Oriole fans, again, make sure to uh, check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud and on MassInSports.com. We are off next week, um, so we'll be back in two weeks. But until then, we'll catch you later.